Hello there. It's Brett McGarry with Greg Mackling. I'm McGarry. He's Mackling. Hi, Greg. I, uh, how are you doing there, buddy? I'm try- I was trying to do my best Tim Allen. <laughs> I don't know. Didn't he make that noise? Are you, is that like a Scooby? No, that Tim Allen on the oh. Home Improvement. Oh, that. Uh, that's the one. Okay. Yeah. I think I, I have that clip on deck here. I just need to load it up. Oh, do you really? Yeah. Okay. Well, I failed miserably at that. I promise that'll be the last time I attempt it. But it made me, it did remind me of Scooby Doo, and that's always a happy. Oh, thing. that's good. Scooby Doo's a happy place. Yep. You ready for the long weekend? Are you looking that far ahead? Uh, yeah, man. I've been looking that far ahead for months. <laughs> When's the next long weekend? Uh, yeah. You know, it's been a shorter trip between uh, long... Oh, there it is. There it is. Beautiful. Uh, it's been a shorter trip this year between long weekends because Easter was so darn late in April. Yes. So it's really only been a month since we've had a long weekend. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this since... Uh, since Good Friday ended, essentially. <laughs> I'm just living for that next long weekend, man. So, yeah, I'm excited. The forecast, I don't know, depending on where you look, it's not all that great now. Yeah, so. you know, what is it looking like on Environment Canada right now? What are they saying? Environment well, Canada is still saying sunny across the board. Okay. Uh, oh, pardon me. So, yep, sunny, sunny, sunny. So depending on which service you look at, you might see rain, you might see cloud, you might see sun. I'm... I'm going to be optimistic. I am hoping for sunshine. I mean, so many of us get our weather off our iPhone, right? Mm-hmm. And the weather network, and it's saying rain Saturday and Sunday. And our friends at Environment Canada, Environment and oh, Climate yes. Change Canada <laughs> are telling us uh, sunny Friday, 19, sunny Saturday, 18, sunny Sunday, 20, and sunny Monday, 22. So I'm going to endorse the Environment Canada forecast for now, at least. Here, here. Here's hoping. (laughs) Okay, so a lot of us are going to be hanging out with friends, Mm -hmm. going to get invited over to barbecues. We might go to a dinner party, maybe a birthday party or something. And the whole idea of BYOB, a host gift, taking your booze, taking a bottle of of, you know, crown, scotch, what have you, taking a 2-4, a 12, whatever you might take with you. Mm-hmm. And then when you go to leave, what's the etiquette? What's the proper etiquette? Should you be leaving it behind or should you be taking it home with a clear conscience? First of all, we can't have a conversation about booze without playing this clip. To alcohol, the cause of and solution to all of life's problems. Indeed. I've made all my best bad decisions under the influence of alcohol <laughs> at some point in my life. Yep. Yes. So, yeah, like, I was surprised at how many differing opinions there were in the newsroom when we started talking about it yesterday to the point where it was a no-brainer that we talk about it on the show today. Yep. And so, you know, I have kind of an open-door policy. Come on over. We'll always have a beer fridge full of beer, uh, usually a couple of different types of beer, try to have a little bit of everything on hand. Wine is something that we are never in short supply of at our house. And so, yeah, come on over. If you forgot to pick up beer along the way, no big deal. We got lots and it's cold. Come and enjoy, you know, but then there are situations where you go 
to a party, you go over to someone's house and you've taken more than you are going to consume. And there are people who ponder whether or not should I take what I haven't consumed or should I just leave it behind? And for a long time, I think the etiquette book would tell you, you leave it behind. You're not necessarily in favor of that. Well, it's it's one of these social norms, one of these social conventions that I don't, that I've never really understood. And so I have no problem challenging it or even flat out defying it because I I tried to find it on Google. Why do we leave our drinks behind? What is the etiquette for this? And I found all sorts of threads where people would just say, yeah, leave it, leave it. I like to leave it. But I can't find the the history or the origin or the reason as to why. Like, why has this become a social norm? Why is it socially acceptable or even expected right. that you leave your your leftovers behind? Right. I When I have people over, if they bring six beers and only have two I'm not going to expect them to leave their stuff. If they bring six beers and drink five and I have one left, I still will say, please take your stuff home because I feel like if I am inviting people over, mm-hmm. I'm asking for the privilege of having these people in my home. Right. So I'm not going to hit them with a departure tax. <laughs> That's one way to look at it. Of leaving their alcohol behind. Right. Now, if I, if they insist, like, and it, this has happened, where uh, I mean, Tristan Field Jones in our in our newsroom, he's very always he very generous. He'll bring over a bottle. He'll have a couple of ounces, and then he'll leave it. And I'll say, Tristan, take your no, 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 please. It's my gift to you. But I'm not going to start a fight over it. But if I say to you, no, take your stuff home, and then you say, okay, I'm not like to me that's. That's a civilized uh, interaction. I appreciate that you wanted to leave it behind, but I have no expectation that you leave it because you already did me a favor by coming over and fulfilling my evening. You're such a kind soul. Now, I'm not suggesting that this is the way to keep beer stocked in your house. Just (laughs) invite people over every other weekend. And then, you know, inevitably you have enough enough riches to share with all your friends and ingratiate yourself to people in your life by providing free alcohol. That's not what I'm suggesting. I'm just wondering where the norm has become Mm -hmm. because I have noticed from time to time as I've gotten older that it strikes me as odd the older I get when people go start reclaiming what they've brought to a party. Mm-hmm. And uh, the whole BYOB thing, I don't know, like at what age, is there a strata you get in life where you shouldn't be having, you know, including BYOB on your invitations? Is there not a place that you should get at light where, uh, in life where it's like, yeah, come on over and, you know, if you want to pick something up, go ahead. If you don't, don't worry about it. I'm not like lots of questions around the whole idea of going to somebody's house for you know, for a party. And then how about the start time sometimes? Do you ever wonder, am I supposed to eat supper? Are they like, what kind of food are they going to have? Are they having just, you know, chips and dip? Or is there going to be like a smorgasbord? Like, you know, this whole idea of do I eat? Do I not eat? There are lots of questions around having people over and the way you invite them, I think. 
All right, well, I fully agree. It, it can be kind of confusing when you think about it. I like to subscribe to the mentality that if I am hosting a party that is BYOB, then I'm completely okay with it also being BYOBH. I think you're right on that. Bring I, your own I, booze You home. know what? You've sold me on that idea. If it's BYOB, then BYOBH, and you you should trademark that. <laughs> I believe is the way I, th- I I I can endorse that rule one hundred percent. And I have tried. I remember last year I had the Rum Council over, and I wanted to be the a Rum group. Council. Yes, the Rum Council. This is a thing. They, yeah, you've never heard of the Rum Council. I think I've told you about the Rum Council. It's my buddies in the what we call the Transcona Rum Council. Okay, so they're all better. You know, they've all they've all got families and they're you know they're better at being they're better at adulting than I am but I had them over last year and I wanted to be a proper grown-up host who's almost 40 years old I'm gonna buy the rum I know we're all, what we're all drinking right so I bought three bottles of rum that I knew that the, you know, a couple of guys like this one and a couple of guys like this one and we all like this one so I bought three bottles of rum I spent over a hundred bucks told them all I have bought rum please be my guest well, one guy enjoyed it, and the other three brought their own booze because the, I I think it's because they didn't want to set a precedent that <laughs> of having to do the same when they yes, host. They didn't want to have to reciprocate, so they so they bought their own booze. And I thought, I'm trying to be a good host, right? And you insult me like this, so that so now I just say, just bring your own stuff. You I'm know- not going to stock my liquor cabinet cabinet. Because it's a lot of money. Wow. You know, I heard a story over the weekend of someone that's close to me who uh, is in a, in a wine club. And so their wine club, the kind of the rule was host puts it on, right? Wine and all. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you know, as you rotate, then, you know, every seven or eight, or however many people in the group, every eighth time uh, you host. But then the other seven times, you don't have to take anything. But, of course, inevitably... I think if you're a good guest, you stop, you grab a bottle of wine. There's the host or hostess gift Mm -hmm. that seems to be in vogue these days. And you should be taking a gift. I think if someone's inviting you to, I always bring a bottle of wine and then whatever I'm drinking for the host or hostess or, you know, the couple, wherever, whoever's house we're going to, it's like, here, this is for you guys. And then this is like what we're drinking type of thing. Uh, like I said, there's lots of etiquette, lots of rules. And I don't know necessarily know that I have any expectations. I just know what I do. I know what we do at our house. I know what we do when we go out. But I've noticed that like I'm getting like the old guy get off my lawn guy <laughs> when I'm noticing people that are taking a half a bottle of wine or, or you know, like isn't there at a certain point in your life where it's just like, yeah, hey, thanks for having us over. It's great to see you. And like, yeah, he left four or five beers in the fridge. Big deal. 204-780-6868. What do you think? If you go to a party and you bring your own stuff, should you leave it behind or should you take it with you when you go? 204-780-6868. Call or text. We would love to hear your voice because this this it's not a simple yes or no in many instances. The example Greg just gave could be one of two things. One, if I leave a half a bottle of wine or if I take it home... I could be seen as cheap, but if I leave a half a bottle of wine, well, you as the host, what are you going to do with a, an open bottle of wine that you don't drink immediately? You're going to have to throw it away, right? So You've not been to my house. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Does it just go into a big bowl of sangria for breakfast? 
But not every okay. Not everybody might like a lot of people might not want the leftovers. Right, Open, right. Un, but then you have unopened beers. That's always nice to have in the fridge. And what if it's a, a big bottle of liquor? What if I bring over a 40? Well, don't bring a 40 then. No, but what if, just what if I bring that and then I have a few ounces and I want to leave it? I would feel guilty if somebody brought a 40 and wanted to leave it. Oh, you're just too polite. I don't know. Well, that's why we have these conversations. That's why we ask these questions. And we want to hear from you at 204-780-6868. If it's BYOB, should you leave the booze behind or should you take it home with you? What do you think uh, should be the way to go? I think social norms, social decorum dictates that you leave it behind, but I challenge that social decorum. I want to know what you think. 204-780-6868 is the number to call or text. And you can email brett at cjob.com, gmac at cjob.com. Your forecast is up next. Hey, it's Brett McGarry with Greg Mackling on 680 CJOB. And Tannis, we'll get to you in a moment. Just want to reset the conversation here. We're talking about what do you do in a bring-your-own-booze environment? Do you leave it behind when you're done and you're going home? Or is it okay to bring it with you? And I was saying, I think it should be okay to bring it with you. When I have people over, I, I, try, I basically try to insist they bring it home. I don't want them to expect to have to leave their booze behind. Greg thinks that maybe it's the proper etiquette, at least what he's uh, subscribed to in the past, is that you should leave it behind. And we have a text here that says, I never agree with Greg, but he is right this one time. <laughs> I didn't catch that. This one time. This one right. time. This one time. <laughs> the proper etiquette is to leave the booze behind. And that's fine if you can tell me why. That is the etiquette. I would love to know the history behind this. Why is it the proper etiquette? Until then, I'm okay with taking it home, and too bad if you don't like it. But Tannis, what do you have to say, Tannis? What do you think about it? I'm sorry. I'm still laughing at that last one. I I just feel like I burst out laughing instead of talking. Um, well, personally, if you're, you're having that much difficulty trying to figure out what you should do, why don't you just ask the host? Before you go over, hey, I'd like to bring this over. Would you like me to leave it or would you like me to bring it home? You know, in your case that you bring a 40 of of rye, I mean, that's a big bottle. What if they're not rye drinkers? Well, they might turn around, hey, fine, bring the bottle. Everybody can share it and then at the end of the night, take it home with you because we don't drink that. You know, at least then when you go over, you know what the host likes. Now, the etiquette he's talking about is, are you bringing any food over to this party? No, you've been invited over to have a get-together. If you bring food, you leave the food, right? Absolutely. Well, well, then it's the same thing. If they're supplying, say, the meat or uh, the, the main part of the meal, by bringing a bottle or bringing some kind of uh, drink to go along with it, you're helping to supply to the party. Okay? You're helping to provide something that the host might not have gotten. I like the That's way you think. That's you, you bring the alcohol. I like the way you think, Tannis. So, so that's, that's all there is to it. But if you really want to be certain, just phone up the host ahead of time and say, hey, this is what I'm bringing to drink. Do you like this? Because I can leave it afterwards. You can have whatever's left. If they don't like it, you bring it home. All right, Tannis, appreciate the call. Tannis is proactive. 
Yeah, I mean, a lot of times it's simple. Although the one <clears throat> that could open up a wormhole where if I, let's say, what what if the host is kind of uppity? Or you if, if the host is insulted, what, what do you mean can I take it home? Like, what if it opens up a, a sort of a, a difficult discussion well, ahead of time before the party even starts? Once again, I agreed with Tannis's approach. I wouldn't take it. But I agree with the idea if you're unsure and you want to go down that road. Like I say, I subscribe to this basic prescription. You know, take take what you're going to consume and a little bit more. Leave it behind. And, you know, what? just have a great time because there are just people that I think it's just get uptight about it. And I just it makes it uncomfortable. Yeah. And I would never bring a, a 40. Like I use that as an ex- just an right. example. If I, if I go to a party, generally, I will bring what I think I'm going to drink. And if I, I, if I have a couple of beers left, I have no problem leaving them behind, but I don't think that I should be expected to leave them behind. Right. That's and, where I draw the line. Yeah, and expect and what the convention is and all that, that can get convoluted as well, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, I just, I just find it odd when people go back into the fridge, scurrying around looking for a couple of cans that they've brought in the expectation of merriment and then on their way out it's like well i've had enough and and therefore all my contribution shall be rescinded uh do you want to carry we got so many texts oh messages yeah we, we must carry okay. this on 204-780-6868 is the number to call if you have any thoughts on a byob etiquette regardless of whether it's do you bring your booze home what is the etiquette uh, going into the party if it's a here's one thing i'll just quickly say this before we go to the news i read one thread where if it's a byob situation it's a free-for-all in terms of like if i bring six beer fancy beers mm-hmm. and then you drink them all and then i get upset i apparently i have no right to be upset about that i'm not sure that i agree with that Oh, that's an interesting one. I'll revisit we'll the revi- segregation the- of the yeah. of the bottles. Yes, exactly. Mm. Should you stick to what you brought? Two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. The news is up next. One thirty four on this uh, Wednesday afternoon as we head towards the uh, May long weekend. Uh, as I mentioned, sometimes we like to crush stereotypes and preconceived notions. Uh, Brett and I are perpetuating one, the fact that we like to talk about consumption of certain kind of beverages. <laughs> we did this for a little while yesterday, and today heading into the long weekend, we wanted to talk about some of the etiquette, some of the rules, quote-unquote, about bringing alcohol to a party, BYOB or not, what do you do with the extra alcohol? Do you leave it behind? Are you a cheapskate if you load up your backpack and take it home with you? What about this example that you mentioned before we went off the air, bringing one thing and drinking another? Yeah, if you have a, a BYOB situation... Um, I read this... I stumbled upon this one thread because I was trying to find... The, the history, the reason why this is the etiquette. The etiquette is that you leave your alcohol behind for the host. I was trying to discover why that's the reason. Couldn't find that as a specific reason, but I did find this one thread where they said that if you go to a party where it's BYOB, then everything is up for grabs. That it's essentially like a community pot, like a potluck of booze. And right. that, so if I bring six good beers, for example, like, uh, like the the witty Belgian from Torque Brewing, which I really like. Or Greg, if you bring some half pints or some Fort Gary, and 
Meanwhile, everyone else brought cheap beer, like, for example, a two liter of Stone Cold. <laughs> so let's say the guy who brings two liters of Stone Cold drinks your case of half pints, and then you're left with two liters of Stone Cold that you're, you have no reason to be upset. I think that's a, that's a bunch of hooey. Well, then I think you need to reevaluate who's on your bus. Because if you're mingling with someone who's capable of bringing four liters of stone cold and then pillaging your Fort Gary Dark, or I like to drink the Estrella from Spain, mm. you know, keep your hands off of my stash when, you know, I'm very generous, I think. But when it comes to the whole idea, it's like, yeah, I brought my stuff. I brought a big bottle of whatever it might be. You know, that's to share. But when it comes to the beer, yeah, you drink what you brought, buddy. And I, yeah, to me, that I've never had a problem with that in any party I've been to. That seems to that seems like an unspoken rule. But this particular thread I found, and I don't know where it is. Maybe that's a ge- just a geographical Maybe thing. Maybe it is. Where the rules are different in different well, spots. Yeah, I think then you got to reconsider who your friends are. And of course, sometimes, oh, you know what, man? I just stopped at the LC, couldn't get cold stuff. Do you mind if, if I throw that into circulation and uh, have a couple of yours, right? You know you're dealing with the good soul, kind person. That's all good, right? But sometimes, every once in a while, you get the bad seeds at the party. I don't know where they come from because you invited them. Somewhere along the line, these people were suitable enough to welcome them into your home. (laughs) Yet they, you know, at some point, alcohol, money, and power do strange things to us and to our personalities. And so uh, it's kind of odd. This is, uh, holy crow. I turned my back for 13 seconds here. I was going to read a certain text message, and now it's so far down the queue, I got to scroll down to find it. John, in the meanwhile, sent a text at 108 simply saying, snow, snow, snow. John. John are you saying that it's snowing right now wherever you are? God, I hope not. Um the first text that I that came in on this subject, I believe, was leave it behind. The person is graciously hosting, and it's just not right to take it home. We are the same as Greg. And you know what I was thinking about this d- during your news, Brett? Legally, the host should not let the guest leave with open alcohol and or them intoxicated. They could easily be held responsible for what could occur after leaving your home. No question about that. The laws have changed over the years. So have our behaviors. But the law is very clear that if you're the host of a party, it's your responsibility to make sure that whether it's right or wrong, the law is you have to you know, be comfortable that your guests are getting home safely. Otherwise, yeah. you've failed your mandate and your, and your job. The prescription of being host is making sure your guests get home safely, legally and otherwise. Do you know what the ruling is on the subject of, of open alcohol? Like, can you have it in your trunk? Uh, Well, because things have changed now, right? Because even at uh, some restaurants, maybe all restaurants, if you don't finish your wine, you can take it with you, right? Really? Yeah. That's a new law in the last 18 months or so. Okay. So, uh, you know, all you can never go really go wrong in your trunk, right? Yeah, I would imagine that. So, yeah, I think you can, you can't have it in your car, like right beside you. 
an open like an open bottle of liquor. But yeah, I think can... the rule kind of used to be within reach of the driver or something. Uh, you know what? We should probably get a legal expert on that part of it. Yeah. Uh, I'll continue this text. I don't find this to be an issue any longer now that we're older persons and summer couples. We can easily obtain and afford food and drink for ourselves and friends. None of us take road beers anymore. Those days are long over. No kidding. I normally don't have beer or any alcoholic drinks at home, so when friends want one, they usually bring it with them and you usually leave one or two for myself, which they end up getting the next time they come over. <laughs> so they just end up sitting in the fridge until they return. That's right. That's fair. Uh, Mick says, the only solution is simple. Leave nothing behind. chug a lug <laughs> Uh, the uh, marijuana is making its entrance into this conversation. Oh, about uh, whether you leave it behind or not. That's interesting. Yeah. I would have no idea how to comment on I that. I wouldn't either. So uh, until we have someone that's willing to call in and express how that's supposed to go down, uh, here we go. Hello, sir. It's different in different cultures. In East Indian culture, the host provides the drinks and the food. You just show up. I love that. <laughs> That sounds fun. I love that. That's fantastic. I have had two texts already. Uh, people want to know if my door is unlocked and if the pool is is warm enough. Uh, no, the pool's not warm enough, and yes, my door is locked. I want to acknowledge this text, and hopefully whoever sent it is still listening, because it made me laugh quite heartily. I referenced earlier how our friend, our colleague, Tristan Field-Jones, when he shows up at a party, he'll usually show up with a bottle of uh, whiskey, typically, and he'll have... Two, three ounces, maybe. He does, Tristan is, uh, he plays it safe. He likes to keep a level head and uh, he always leaves the bottle. Even when I insist, like, Tristan, take it. He says, no, no, you were a gracious host, please. It's my gift to you. So this text, I've never met Tristan Field Jones, but now in all caps, but he is always welcome at my house. <laughs> <laughs> He's a kind soul. What can you say? No, here's here's the uh, problem solved. Nobody leaves till all the booze is gone. Oh, that's one way to solve it. Yeah. Yep. I like it. Uh, let's see here. What's the next one that I can get to? Oh, this is a okay. Faye has texted and says we had a Mother's Day barbecue last weekend. We bought a dozen beer and ended the party with seventeen. In general, I always suggest people take their leftovers home because I'm picky. I think it's perfectly fine to ask if people want the leftovers. If I don't finish something I bring to a party, I tend to leave it. I feel like this is an area where it depends on how close you are to the people you are socializing with. I tend to only keep company with the people who matter. And as the saying goes, the people who matter don't mind and the people who mind don't matter. Mm. Faye, that is so well said. And it kind of goes along a lines of this whole conversation made me think of like if you actually have an expectation, like if you let's say uh, someone comes to your house and they bring 12 beers and they they drink six and they bring the other six home with them. You not not saying you don't have a right to to be uh, upset by it. And when I say you, I don't mean you specifically, Greg. I just kind of made me it reminded me of. Uh, it seems like something that doesn't matter to me. Right. And maybe that's what I'm getting at. Yep. And a buddy of mine was complaining about this girl he was dating. This is just an offshoot sidetrack thing, but while it's on my mind, <laughs> he was complaining about how all the stuff in her kitchen came from the dollar store, her spatulas, her utensil trays, and what have you. He was, he was so perturbed by it. Don't you care about appearances, he says. And meanwhile, I'm thinking, sounds like the only person who she needs to worry about appearances with is you. 
And because like I've got a utensil tray in my drawer that came from Dollarama, I couldn't care less how much you paid for your whisk is not what I care about. It's I care about the quality of your character. So Faye, thank you for this saying. I love this. People who matter don't mind and the people who mind don't matter. That is gold. And it works on both sides. Yeah. Right? It works on both sides of the equation and the situations we're talking about. Maybe I got maybe I got to ease off on the I, it's not an expectation. One more time, I want to reiterate my position on it's not an expectation. I just find it odd. Yeah, and it can be because, odd, right? um, because uh, like I say, when I visit, when I'm a guest, I practice one thing. And when people come to our house, you know what? I, I think, you know, come, we want to have a great time. Uh, and I, I'm not bothered. I just, I find it really weird. And there have been two instances in the last month where I showed up at a party or at a, not at a party, but I was invited over to a friend's home and I can't showed up with uh, like a, a 12 of beer, but. I had made it clear at the beginning, I'm going to have some of these tonight, but the rest of them I'm going to have tomorrow. So I'm taking them home. <laughs> I know social decorum would dictate right, I leave them, right. but I'm taking them, and I don't care what you think. Yeah, no, I get it. Hey, let's <laughs> talk to Storm and Norman. He's been waiting patiently at 780 Hey, Norm, how you doing? Uh, good. How about you guys? We're doing great. I know you can add to this discussion. We're uh, anxiously looking forward to your comments. Okay, when it comes to the marijuana... There's none left when the party's over. Okay. Everybody, everybody smokes it all till they get wiped, and that's the end of the evening. Okay. Thanks for clearing that up for us, Norm. You're welcome. Have a great day. You too. <laughs> How long was Norm waiting? Uh, he was waiting long enough. That, oh, I'm sorry. And he clearly realized he had something important to say. Chad sent me a tweet. Uh, I'm GMAC uh, Winnipeg, by the way, if you want to follow me, G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. Uh, Chad says, plus or minus on how much is left, bring a 12-pack, seven or more left, take them home. More than half of the spirit bottle left, take it home. And we've had several text messages that say, you know, that threshold might be half if more of the bo- more than half of the bottle, if it's hard stuff, okay. is left, take it with you. If you've got more than half your beer left, maybe you should be welcome to take that home as well. Once again, I guess there's no tried and true rules here. Uh, that's why this, inf- in, now, this conversation is so interesting to me because there are lots of different ways of looking at this. 204-780-6868. We got tons of text messages and we're still sifting through them. Feel free to share more. And if you have any more stories that you want to tell us personally, you want to talk to us, 204-780-6868. Maybe you have been to a party where you saw somebody get into it with the host or maybe the host was perturbed. I don't know. If you have a story to tell about this particular subject, we would love to hear it. 204-780-6868 is the number to call, and it is the number to text. You can email brett at cjob.com, gmac at cjob.com, and I see now that I've been in this room for 46 minutes and I don't have my email open, so I should probably do that while we have a look at your forecast, which is up next. Sometimes when I challenge Mother Nature to reach the forecast high, she obliges me. So <laughs> I'm throwing down the gauntlet. Ah. We will not get to that forecast high Oh, today. Reverse psychology. It works on Mother Nature I as like well. it. I hope so. Talking about booze, what are the <laughs> rules of engagement for a party situation, particularly if it's a BYOB situation, because there is the, the social norm that if you bring your own alcohol, that you should leave it behind for your host, where I sort of challenge that, <clears throat> pardon me, I challenge that etiquette because I think if 
I am hosting a party, if I have invited my friends over, I have it's because I want them to spend some time with me. So their presence is my privilege. So they should take their booze home if they want to take it, and they won't get an ounce of judgment from me. Uh, in fact, I usually try to force it upon them. No, please take your beer. This is your beer. You spent your hard-earned money on it. Take it home with you. And if they still insist on leaving it, fine. 204-780-6868. I'm realizing maybe I'm being a judgy McJudgy pants about people that don't leave it behind. I, I think I'm pretty open-minded on a lot of stuff. Yeah. And I'm not offended. I'm just puzzled by the idea of uh, taking home your last beer. Uh, seriously, this was a text at 7806868. came in a little while ago. We got so many texts here, so I apologize and we apologize. If we haven't read yours yet, there are just so many to sift through. Seriously, if you're digging around the fridge to bring home your last beer... You must be the life of the party. <laughs> no sarcasm. Chris sent me an email, says, leave your booze, Greg. First, only bring what you expect to drink. So if there's a little left over, no loss. Second, the host had to purchase all the supplies, maybe decorated, cleaned before the party, and they will usually perform some degree of hosting duties. That's true. It's not always fun and games when you're the host. You are, it's a little bit of work involved. Plus, they will have to do all the cleanup after the party. We all know how much fun that can be. And what you might discover in the strangest places, isn't that worth a couple of beer or coolers anyway? Leave your booze. Thanks, Chris. That's a fair point. Uh, but I, I would still counter that by saying if I invite people over, then, then you know I, I absorb. Yeah, I know what I'm in for. If I haven't cleaned my apartment in a month, that's my fault. And if I want to have people over, well, yeah, I got to clean. I, it's actually, it's a nice excuse for me to get off my lazy butt and clean my apartment so my bathroom sink doesn't look like a chia sink. Michael <laughs> sent us a text, uh, which I agree with here. Michael says, hopefully you choose your friends wisely in the first place and not have to worry about stuff like that. That's well said, Michael. Yeah, it is well said. I like that a lot. This next test says, for many years, I would take uh, two sicks of rum. To parties, I would drink a few and leave the rest. Well, as the cost of my favorite what rum would increase, I would wince at leaving a three-quarters full bottle behind. So I finally wised up and started taking a Mickey or even a half Mickey. I would then bring something as a host gift, gift to appease my guilt of not leaving. Behind. Oh, I don't want you to feel guilty about not leaving it. It's just, you know, it's a delicate balance here. 30th birthday potluck party this weekend. BYOB, my fridge is still food of, or pardon me, full of food and bevies. And here's one from uh, Bob in Oak Bank. He says, hi guys, beer comes in 6, 8, 12, 15, 24 packs. How long are you going to be visiting? Buy your beverages accordingly. Uh, it ain't rocket science. One drink per hour, says yeah. Bob. <laughs> Oh, this is <laughs> sorry. Uh, a lot of you have to forgive our honest reactions. Sometimes we're reading these cold. We haven't had time to get through them, and this one made me chuckle. Growing up, I had a friend that would bring a six pack of beer, drink nine, then take a two four of empties home. <laughs> la 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 la. <laughs> Can I tell a family story real quick? Yes. My cousin, who's no longer with us, so uh, Lynn, uh, I'm telling this story out of greatest respect. She passed away about five years ago, my cousin. She lived in Calgary, but my aunt and uncle lived in Salmon Arm. Mm -hmm. And her and her husband would go to Salmon Arm, which is a five-hour drive, by the way, uh, probably every other weekend over the summer. And they would take their beer, whatever. And at the end of the summer, they would take their empties. They would set their empties aside in a special place in the garage and then take them back to Alberta to cash them in. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was kind of weird. 
<laughs> I always found that weird. <laughs> I remember I had, I just get rid, when I have empties now, I just get rid of them. I, I just dump them and recycle. I know that I can get 10 cents. What is it, 10 cents? It's 10 cents. But I have nowhere to store them. And the, the one time that I did save up all my empties when I had a deck at the house, it took me like two hours because it took forever to load. The, I had to make multiple trips. It's just not worth it. When I lived in Calgary, I used to live in uh, lower Mount Royal, and we had these guys that would scour the back lanes. And I remember having my brother over one time, and I cleaned out all the empties. I said, watch this. They'll be gone. I left them beside the recycling container. They'll be gone by the time we get up to the fourth floor and out on the patio. And sure, sure enough, they were already gone by the time we got back to our suite. No. Oh, yeah, big time. Uh, last one here. Sure. Hey, guys, my wife and I hosted a party. It was a potluck with BYOB. One guest not only took her alcohol home, she took her unused food and dessert home in her Tupperware, which she brought to the party. She was prepared to bring her contributions home. And that's a whole other thing with the dishes. Tupperware and the Pyrex dish. Yeah, what do you do with that? Uh, I mean, you got you got to get that back because yeah. they're expensive for sure, right? Yeah, it's not like you you the food the food is the gift, but I'm not leaving my thirty dollar Pyrex. Cooker. Yeah, not <laughs> happening. <laughs> it is. Thanks for all your feedback, by the way. At two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight, we're going to switch gears after the news at two o'clock. Greg and Brett with you. 2.06 on a Wednesday afternoon ahead of a long weekend, May long weekend, Victoria Day, just May long, or as they call it in Ontario and other places, the May 2.4 weekend. I don't, just never warmed up to that terminology. Apparently our pal uh, Sam Stevens over at Peggy, is it at Peggy at 99, Peggy at 99.1, pardon me, They uh, she calls it May 2.4. Really? Yeah. Where's she from? I guess she's from Ontario. Oh, yeah, we're going to have to check her birth certificate. <laughs> <laughs> she's going to have to write a test. She wants to stick around any longer in this building, let me tell you. Hey, uh, did you read this traffic note in your news? I try to pay attention no, to your I didn't. news. Uh, this is a big deal. I didn't know this was coming. This is kind of in your neck of the woods. Yes. It won't affect me in any way. Uh, but here's the headline, and then I'll have you read it in your masterful newsreader voice, Brett. <laughs> okay. Northbound and southbound Pembina Highway between Jubilee Avenue and Stafford Street completely closed this weekend. It's effective May 19 until May 23, northbound and southbound Pemina Highway between Jubilee Avenue and Stafford Street will be completely closed to vehicular traffic starting at 8 p.m. Friday, May 19, until 4 a.m. Tuesday, May 23, for construction on the Southwest Rapid Transitway Stage 2 project and Pemina Highway widening. Construction will take place around the clock during this closure. Oh, that's interesting. Roadway access for transit and emergency vehicles will be maintained during the closure, pedestrian access will be maintained by a shuttle service with two pickup and drop-off points located. So one north of the underpass on the east side of Pembina Highway opposite Harrow Street and two south of the underpass on the east side of, at the Jubilee Avenue yield onto Pembina Highway. Motorists should allow additional time to get to their destinations and use alternate routes like Osborne, Waverly, or Keniston. And for regular updates on City of Winnipeg lane closures, you can go to the city's website or download and use the Waze app. So I guess what this means, if I want to order a pizza from... Uh from Tony's? From Tony's Pizza, I'm going to have to find an alternate route You're over the You're going to have to go weekend. the back door, buddy. 
Yeah, I think so. Yes. <laughs> I'll have to go up Osborne and then go up Jubilee that way. Tony's is... I know we have advertisers on our station uh, that sell pizza, but Tony's is in the top five or ten in Winnipeg for sure. Yeah, and it, yeah, and not not to take away from our advertisers, they're all in my top five as well. But Tony's is in there as well, and uh, I just like to go to them from time to time. And they're just north of, or just south of this construction, so it is significant for my appetite. And of course, as I say that now, I'm craving Santa Lucia. I just had some side a couple bacon, of weeks ago. Side bacon, shrimp, little feta. Oh, my gosh. Side bacon, and shrimp. shrimp, and a little bit of feta. And then when you get home, just drizzle a little bit of green pesto on it. It's so good, man. When I worked at Earl's, we used to have the California shrimp pizza. Okay. So they would do. we would do like a white sauce on there with the cheese, and then shrimp, sun-dried tomatoes, which I can take or leave, and pesto with a little bit of feta. Oh, one of the best pizzas. They don't sell it anymore. So now got to recreate it some other way. So I go side bacon, shrimp, feta, and a little bit of pesto. I never thought of shrimp as a, I mean, I'm not generally not a huge fan of shrimp, but as a, as a pizza mm-hmm. topping, that mm-hmm. is just bizarre. Mm-hmm. My, my initial inclination is to go, that's kind of weird, but then I stop and think about it for a moment and Dr. Cyrus would be happy as I try to rationalize it and, and show some logic is that, you know what, I generally will try just about anything. I was the guy, when I worked at Taco Bell, and people would, like, create weird things, but were scared to eat it, I was the guy. Hey, you Brad, try it? we just deep-fried something. Come eat it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd come in, sure, what is this? I, I wouldn't even say that. I'd just take it. Um, what did you just feed me? I have to know every single thing that's in the item. Whatever's in that food, I need to know what it is. I had a rule, uh, uh, a woman that I dated a long time ago, I made her promise me once upon a time that there would never, ever be any tricking with food. Really? Yeah. Like, don't give me something. Let me eat it thinking it's chicken and then tell me it's a rabbit (laughs) or something. Like, none of that, not not allowed. Would that happen? I think some people do that. I think oh, some okay. people do that to their kids. Oh, so it has happened to since, since I eat like a kid, there might be some sort of inclination along the way to try and, you know, oh, why don't you try it? It's chicken. And then you find out it's alligator. No, don't do that to me. <laughs> That's not working. That's not going to strengthen our bond. That's only going to sever our relationship. So, yeah, no tricking with food has been a long time rule with me in what my if, relationships. What if it's really good, though? What if it, the I don't care. I'll, I'll, if I feel inclined to try the alligator, I'll try it. I'm not going to. What's, what's the weirdest thing you ever ate? Can you think of it? Well, the strangest thing that I like, and I, I think in all the, with all my bizarre things, I love uh, uh, snails like um, escargot. Escargot, yep. I love. And I love calamari. Okay. You know. Yeah, that's I. I have enjoyed calamari. I don't think you can actually get this anymore. And now that I th- you, and I think it's one of those, one of those things that is really frowned upon in terms of ethics and just the the horrors of, involved of getting it. But I had this. I want to say somewhere between ten and fifteen years ago, a wedding at a dim sum place on I think it was on King Street, and it was shark fin soup. Mm. Was it good? I hate to say it, but it, it was, was? delicious. <laughs> It look, but it was the weirdest. Have you ever seen it? Uh-uh. It looks like you're eating a bowl of hair. Oh, 
know. It's just it, it basically looks like strands of of like not colored hair, just really thin strands in a bowl of water. That's what it looks like. So it's like a clear, like almost like a rice noodle kind of appearance, or what is it? What does it's it look like, like? It's thin, like hair. That like, thin? Yeah. Like re like like really fine. Mm. That's what it looks like. So it just when you first see it, the the soup is clear, so it essentially just looks like water in hair. So it's kind of disgusting to look at and convince yourself, okay, this is edible. I'm going to try it. And I quite enjoyed it. So that was a strange thing. Bizarre. I don't think you can have it anymore though. Okay. We're going to pause our conversation. We're going to switch gears. We have reached our guest. He is a great Canadian science fiction writer, and he's getting a couple of Lifetime Achievement Awards. We are going to speak with Robert J. Sawyer after your forecast on 680 CJOB. Well, every once in a while, we have difficulty getting in touch with our guests. Sometimes it's their fault. This time it's ours. No worries, though. Always honored to welcome to the airways of 680 CJOB our good friend Robert J. Sawyer. In fact, uh, Mr. Sawyer was one of the first, if not the first, authors I ever interviewed almost eight and a half years ago now. So, uh, Robert, great to have you back on the program. And congratulations on not one but two Lifetime Achievement Awards that you're uh, receiving in uh, short order here. Congratulations on uh, all that you do and on these awards. Thank you so much, and I'm delighted we finally connected here. Great to be on the air with you again. So you are known as the Dean of Canadian Science Fiction, according to the Ottawa Citizen. You're getting an award in Canada and an award in the U.S. The award in Canada is coming in the city where you now live, is that correct? That's right. I've spent a lot of time in Winnipeg, and my latest novel is set in Winnipeg, Quantum Night, but I actually live in Mississauga, which is adjacent to Toronto, and uh, 680,000 people, not quite as big as the peg, but getting there, uh, and they're giving me their first ever Lifetime Achievement Award from the Mississauga Arts Council. The mayor of Mississauga will be presenting that to me tomorrow night. They call them the Marty Awards for Mississauga Arts Council, Marty Awards, and it's their first ever Lifetime Achievement one. I'm thrilled about that. Well, that is fantastic, and it's not just the city of Mississauga that has recognized you. Last year became a member of the Order of Canada. You've won the World Science Fiction Society's Hugo Award in 2003, your novel uh, Hominids. Uh, Just a, a long list of credentials here, and you're also a contributor to something that's coming up on the History Channel. It starts a three-part series. It starts May 31st. It's called The World Without Canada. This sounds fascinating to us. It is fascinating, and I'm one of the principal on-air commentators in it. Dan Aykroyd, the great Canadian actor and comedian, is the uh, actual narrator, uh, and also one of the uh, consultants behind the screen. They came to me, Cream Productions, the company making this for the History Channel, came to me and said, okay, we got this notion for Canada's 150th birthday. Instead of, you know, just going down the list, Canada did that, we invented insulin, we invented basketball, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Why don't we look at what the world would be like if Canada did not exist in terms of natural resources, in terms of our contributions to arts, culture, and entertainment, and in terms of our uh, role on the world stage, really coming into our own in World War I uh, through the Suez Crisis and uh, Pearson establishing 
the world's first peacekeeping forces, which Canada, of course, is uh, well known for and all that sort of thing. And I helped them devise their scenarios for this. It's a great show. It's an awful lot of fun. And it's meant to be, indeed, a bit tongue-in-cheek, but also very, very provocative. And does this program, does it also mean, like, what if the world without Canada in terms of geography, like the landmass of Canada itself is simply not on the map? That's right. We're doing three one-hour programs, so we're taking a whole bunch of different scenarios. And one of them we do ask is, okay, what if, in fact, there was, if we just raised, you know, scraped off with a, a razor below uh, the water level of the landmass of Canada, so that, you know, uh, there's just at the 49th parallel a sheer cliff dropping down at the northern border of the United States. How would that affect geopolitics? How the, would that affect climate and so forth? Uh, Canada has many virtues, and one of the simplest is our huge bulk, our presence on the global surface. And we certainly have a lot of fun exploring that. That's the most fantastic of our scenarios. Obviously, you know, Banting and Best hadn't uh, isolated and uh, synthesized insulin. Uh, the world would be very different for countless diabetics. Uh, but uh, but you could imagine somebody else somewhere else eventually coming up with that. But if you took away Canada as a geographic landmass, it would have an enormous impact on on the world and even on the the wobble that the moon has as it orbits around us ever so slightly, but discernible. Now, Robert J. Sawyer joins us uh, this afternoon on uh, Mackling and McGarry. And in addition to author, I think one of the coolest titles attributed to you, Robert, is the fact that you are a futurist and you've consulted with NASA. You've spoken at Google's headquarters. You've also advised Canada's Federal Department of Justice. Could you have imagined a geopolitical situation in the storm that we're in right now? Did you envision uh, the situation with North Korea, uh, political uh, situation in the United States? States and and how Russia and the United States have become so intertwined. Is this something that that you could have foreseen? Well, I certainly uh, predicted the current situation with a a far right uh, um, authoritarian leader in the United States. That's, in fact, uh, the theme of my latest novel, Quantum Night. The paperback's just out. The hardcover was out a year ago, and I finished writing it a year before that. And there are certainly eerily uncanny uh, parallels between what I wrote and the current Donald Trump presidency. As a futurist, you don't necessarily want everything you predict to come true. And that certainly was one I was hoping (laughs) would not come true. But uh, in some of those other ones, you know, we old Star Trek fans knew that uh, the Soviet Union and the United States would get intimate with each other in the future. You know, the heart of the Cold War, they put a Russian on the bridge of the enterprise, Mr. Chekhov. Uh, Whether we thought that they were going to be colluding and undermining democracy in the United States. That one, I have to confess, I didn't predict. But cyber terrorism and electronic terrorism, I certainly predicted going back to my first novel in 1990. Golden Fleece has that. So this Lifetime Achievement Award that you were getting in the United States, uh, when is that happening? Well, it's happening on Friday of next week. So what is that? Uh, seven, eight, nine days from now. Um, you were kind enough to quote the Ottawa Citizen. They called me the Dean of Canadian Science Fiction, which is nice. But the Dean of American Science Fiction was Robert A. Heinlein. And there's an award called the Heinlein 
uh, award that is being given to me by the Baltimore Science Fiction Society, and it is indeed a Lifetime Achievement Award in honor of my entire body of work, 23 novels, uh, 44 short stories, all the work I've done in the field of uh, science fiction uh, to portray a positive future, particularly for humanity in space, and I'm absolutely thrilled to be getting that. When you look back now, you're a futurist, but you must do some retrospection and, and look back on when you decided to uh, first uh, pick up a pen or hammer out on a typewriter your first novel. Could you have ever imagined getting to this point in your career where you are renowned for what you do, not only in Canada, but in the United States? Well, of course, I get paid, you know, the medium-sized bucks for my imagination. suppose <laughs> <laughs> that. <laughs> it had crossed my mind and one always days, daydreams. But honestly, these are, uh, you know, I, I've just turned just a few weeks ago, 57. So to be having people, uh, you know, throwing lifetime achievement awards at me where I literally think, given the way we're going with medical progress, that I may be at the halfway mark. Uh, I think a lot of people are going to make it to 114 who are alive today. Uh, it seems, a, to me, it almost seems premature. It's extremely flattering, however. Uh, it really is nice that, you know, because I took as a, a given at the beginning that I was going to tell Canadian stories set in Canada. As I said, my latest is in Winnipeg. I've set stories in Toronto and in Vancouver, all over Canada. Uh, and to have them be embraced in the United States and elsewhere. I'm off to China uh, in 12 days as part of a Canadian contingent going there uh, to celebrate Canada's 150th anniversary, contingent of authors to celebrate the anniversary. So to be embraced worldwide, it literally and figuratively, means the world to me. And I also see that you'll be in Kansas City coming up in the next couple of weeks for something called Conquest. A nice play on words there. What is that all about? That's a science fiction convention of which there are countless. In fact, what's really significant is not that I'm at Conquest. I'll tell you that this weekend uh, coming up, Victoria Day weekend, is KeyCon, the Winnipeg Science Fiction Convention. And I suggest if people want a flavor of what something like Conquest, the one I'm going to be at next week, or this weekend, go out and check out KeyCon. You'll have a blast. Great authors talking about the books that they're writing, a dealer's room full of uh, new and rare used collectible books and magazines. Some people are into science fiction and fantasy TV programming. Uh, a real blast. KeyCon. Check it out on the web, keycon.org. Robert, we never have enough time with you, never mind uh, on a day like today when our when our visit was abbreviated. So we apologize for the technical difficulties in getting in touch. Uh, please promise you'll uh, join us again real soon. Absolutely. Always a pleasure, guys. Take care. Robert J. Sawyer, one of our very favorite guests here. Congratulations to him. He's receiving two Lifetime Achievement Awards here in the next eight or nine days. It's fantastic news for him. His website is sfwriter, so that's S like Sam, F like Fargo, writer.com. And again, KeyCon is happening at the Radisson Hotel on Portage, May 19 to 21st. Their website, keycon.org. And uh, you can also get tickets at eventbrite.ca or at just get more information at KeyCon34. All the information you want is on that. Global News is coming up at 2.30 on 680 CJOB. 2.34 on a Wednesday afternoon. If you forgot to put out your garbage and your recycling, it's probably too late. He's Brett. I'm Greg. We're leading into the...
May long weekend, and we're going to have a little bit of fun with our next guests here. A fun event that they've got planned for the Girls Empowerment Event. It aims to celebrate girls, inspire them in a healthy, positive way for their mind, body, and spirits. Limited tickets available to this event. Let's find out what it's all about, Brett. We have in studio with us Allison Gervais. She is the founder at Fit Communications and the Fitness Journal for Girls, and Paige Zaprazan, who is a holistic health coach. They join us live in studio. Allison and Paige, welcome to 680 CJOB. Thanks. Thanks Thank for having you. us. Allie, we'll start with you. Okay. What is Fit Communications? Fit Communications, it's a marketing company, and we specialize in marketing to women and also marketing for health and fitness and nutrition type companies. And it's uh, the Fitness Journal journal for Girls as well. So is there a particular age bracket that you're aiming at with this Fitness Journal? Yep. Uh, It's ages 5 to 15. It's the same thing as uh, the event that we're putting on. And we've noticed through working with women in sport that girls are dropping out of sports way more than boys. Really? Six times more likely. Yep. By the age of 14, girls are six times more likely to drop out of sports than boys. Why? A number of different reasons. Lack of access. Um, cost, transportation issues, lack of positive female role models, or not that they're out, not out there, but they're not getting the same exposure that male role, male athlete role models are getting, um, and lack of uh, quality experience opportunities. So, thing there's although they're out there, they haven't been really brought to light certain activities for girls to participate in that they have for boys. So even in this day and age when we're getting the impression anyway that the playing field, pardon the pun, mm-hmm. is leveling in terms of male and female participation, uh, the threshold for uh, girls to drop out of sport is uh, a, a little, quite a bit younger than mm-hmm. boys and it's mm-hmm. way more dramatic. I, I'm shocked to learn this. Yeah, I think there. I'm sure there's a number of different reasons other than those ones I just cited. Um, some people are dropping out. Uh, maybe it's because of... Uh, Social pressure, they you know, being an athlete isn't seen as being as cool as hanging out with your friends on the weekends. There's a bunch of different things. But then also there's the fact that if unless you're in a sport, some people think that because you haven't been in, let's say, gymnastics since you were five years old, it's too late, right? Mm. And they don't know about the, some of these other opportunities like football for girls. There's 15 different football um, leagues in Winnipeg for girls. Full contact, um, kickboxing, boxing. Uh, there's a number of different sports that girls don't necessarily think of when they're a little bit older. And there's always new, like even if you haven't ever been in any of those sports, there's brand new participation programs for them. So it's just getting the word out there about all of these things and making sure that they know about them and bring attention to those groups that are putting them on. Paige, I'll turn to you now. A holistic health coach, that is a term mm-hmm. that I've not heard, and I don't say <laughs> that. I hope that doesn't sound like I'm, I'm mocking it. I want to make that very clear. Not at all. Uh, what is a holistic health coach? Yeah, so I'd like to describe it a little bit of like nutrition coaching with life coaching collaborate together. So um, it's really about implementing healthy, positive lifestyle behavioral changes into people's everyday life and to increase performance, whether that's in sport or in life. Um, But yeah, it's a terminology people aren't too familiar with, and it's a very emerging uh, field right now. My uh, little sister um, deals with MS, 
And mm-hmm. so she's completely changed her diet. She's gone to the paleo diet, strict, mm-hmm. strict, strict. Uh, she lives in southwestern Manitoba. And so she's now transferring some of that knowledge to older people and mm-hmm. younger people in her community. And she started a club in Cartwright, something called Chair Yoga. Oh, cool. For older people, that people that That's you know awesome. can't get down That's on the so ground, cool. and so when I, you know, I just learned about that last weekend from her, and it's like, wow, you like people are really thinking outside the box in terms mm-hmm. of this holistic way of being, of eating, and that whole idea. You know, we use the word diet, but it's not. It has to be about a change in the way you live your life in order to to really be genuinely healthy, happy, and 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 in a good place spiritually. Exactly. And it's a long-term lifestyle, you know, and everything's so interconnected. It's not just the physical, mental, and emotional um, aspect. It's all interconnected. What you eat affects how you think, vice versa. You know, how you're exercising, you know, the nutrients you need to do that to feel your body on a cellular level. Um, and, you know, an emotional level too, you know, I can't shove kale down your throat if you're not happy in a relationship or if you have zero self-worth, right? So um, it's everything's so interconnected, but that's what's so cool about it. And I feel like it's everything's emerging towards a very holistic, um, interrelated approach now. So those examples that you gave, would, would like a bucket of chocolate ice cream be more fitting for that situation? <laughs> ben and Jerry's, yeah. <laughs> And I guess Absolutely. The, With the side of kale. Yeah, and there you go. And I guess if, if kale is more prominent in your life than the bucket of Ben and Jerry's, every once in a while... It's all good. It's all good, yeah, right? Yeah, moderation, no deprivation at all. It's Nothing's 100% diet. Um, I hate using the word diet, but you have to indulge in life, and life's about indulgence. It's just what you're eating majority of the time that's affecting you than what you're having some of the time. So definitely have the ice cream this hot summer weather and, and enjoy it, the heck out of it. So if you're indulging all the time, that's just gluttony, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. It's a fine line. There's a real fine line. And so finding it for some people is really, really the key, right? Exactly. Yeah. Everyone has their um, own something. It's all about bio-individuality too and listening to what your body needs. What did you just call it? I know. It's a tongue twister. Bio-individuality. So one person's food can be another person's poison like we like to say it that way. Um, So, you know, for example, I could be gluten intolerant and my friend is not at all, so can tolerate gluten. So it's understanding what works for your lifestyle based on your active levels, Um, you know, your job, you know, what your body weight is, um, all, you know, your age, all those factors play into play and what your body really needs on a cellular level is very different for everyone. Our guests are Allison Gervais. She is the founder at Fit Communications and the Fitness Journal for Girls, and Paige Zaprazan, who is a holistic health coach. And we brought them here today to talk about an event coming up, the Girls Empowerment Event, which I understand, Allie, is the first of its kind in Winnipeg? As far as we know, I yeah. think it's the first of its kind, and we're super excited about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something I know I'm a mother of two young girls. I'm so pumped about it. My girls are going and my niece is going. And it's all about building up our young girls. And, you know, we tell them that they can do anything they want to do in life. And this is sort of more of a concrete three hours to show them how and um, build them up from there. How are you going to do that? Uh, Well, we are starting off the event with a speaker, Janine Stevens, who is a former uh, Olympian. She won the silver medal in the London Olympics in rowing. And so she's going to kick off the event and give an inspirational talk, getting the girls hyped up. Um, And then there's three different sessions that we're having. 
Uh, one is yoga. So, and that's going to be the actual sessions are going to be divided between ages. So we are catering for, to five to 15 years old, but we realize that a five-year-old and a 15-year-old are definitely going to have different wants and needs uh, as far as physiologically, emotionally, everything. So we're dividing them up into groups based on age. So we're going to have one session of yoga, um, another session on nutrition and building a, ha- a healthy bites uh, protein bite type of thing. So teaching them about nutrition and what it means to fuel your body. It's not about being skinny. Uh, it's about using food to fuel your body. And like uh, Paige was saying, making sure that your body, your food that you're taking in, we, it's not a diet, it's healthy eating and fueling yourself. Um, and then the last session is about setting goals. And part of that is going to be for the older girls is going to be more specific goal setting and it's, you know, like I said, it's not about just saying, yeah, you can do anything you want, but what does that look like? You know, what are your dreams? What do you want to do in life? Is it whether it's for life or school, uh, fitness? And so they can really set out those concrete steps how to get there. And then for the younger girls doing more of like a dream board activity, again, the same thing. They just won't necessarily have the capability to really understand what their exactly their goals want to be post high school or post-university if they're only five and six years old. So taking a look at what they want to do in life in general um, and what they want to aspire to do. And those are the sessions. Sounds very inspiring. The fitness yeah. journal for, for girls. I'm just, you said it's aimed at five to 15 yep. year olds. What, are five-year-olds thinking about fitness? Is there, or is that when they should really start thinking about it? Is that... Well, I think it's more of like a lifestyle thing, right? So we not only, it's not just about the girls, it's also the parents too, right? We want to be able to give these girls some unique opportunities and think about fitness being something fun and being a lifestyle. So in the Fitness Journal for Girls, there's coupons for everything from camps to sports programs, but then there's also things that um, to do that promote self-love. So they can write things that they love about themselves, the top three things they love about themselves um, what they think that they're strongest at, what's their greatest quality, um, what are their goals for the next year physically or in school, uh, what's the goal over the summer. So getting them starting to think about these things at a young age is something we want to get in their heads so that way they're not fi- trying to figure this out when they're 30 years old, saying, oh, okay, um, well, I used to play basketball in high school and now I don't, I go to the gym, but uh, what are my goals here? You know, so starting that off at a young age and having those conversations, hopefully we realize that it's not going to be the five-year-olds purchasing the journal. It's going to be the parents, but have, having the, the tool to have those conversations with your young girls and getting them up to where we want them hopefully in their life to be, right? You know, Paige, it's interesting. Allison said something there about, you know, I used to play basketball or I used to, you know, Mm -hmm. play volleyball, what have you. And, you know, for guys, their go-to is whatever they did, right? They Mm -hmm. played hockey, Mm -hmm. so they played beer league hockey. And uh, so they played volleyball in high school or maybe at a competitive level. So they have senior men's leagues. And I know they have senior Mm -hmm. women's leagues Mm -hmm. as well, but it seems to be way more common for, for my buddies my guy buddies to have like their two or three nights out where they're playing softball, volleyball, whatever it might be. But then for the ladies, well, we're going to the gym or mm-hmm. I'm going to go for a run. That yeah. formal activity and that uh, competitive sport doesn't seem to be as much a part of the of the culture as it does with my guy friends. Absolutely. And the one thing that I believe sport is so important, and I work with lots of high-performing athletes and sport teams, and 
There's so many life skills you learn in sport and being part of a team and being active in that sense. And you learn how to you know, fail, you learn how to succeed, you learn how to communicate, be a leader, um, be a part of a team. And those are things that are applicable, not just in sport, but in, in life. And I think it saddens us to hear that the dropout rate for girls is very high when, you know, every girl and every body in this world deserves an opportunity to play sport and to go after their dreams and goals, um, whether that's in sport or life. But to see sport in that way, that's more than just the active part, too. It's also the psychological part, the mental part, the emotional growth that you learn in it and how it's so applied into all aspects of life. Mm-hmm. Going to continue our conversation in a moment. We are joined by Allison Gervais. She is the founder at Fit Communications and the Fitness Journal for Girls, and Paige Zaprazan, who is a holistic health coach, and they're putting up this girls empowerment event, which is happening on June fourth, and it's held at the Yoga Bar. Am I saying that correctly? That's right. Yes. It may shock you to learn that I'm not all that fit, and I don't know how to. I've never heard of a place called the Yoga Bar. Yeah, well, you're familiar with a place called a bar. bar. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is a newer age a new type kind of bar. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> this is the bar that'll actually do your body some good. Exactly. I may yeah. have to visit it. It's at and, 6640 Roblin Boulevard. And then, and then, then the spelling is very, very clever because if you switch the A with the E, you get Yoga Bera. And then I take that old Yogi Berra, and you see, then you're right <laughs> back so to funny. baseball, you see? <laughs> that was really clever. Everything Thank comes you. back there to baseball, go. right? It all comes back to baseball. <laughs> Your forecast is up next. When I was uh, reading the fact and reminding us that it's a long weekend, guess what we'll have starting this weekend? Cottage country weather. Oh, yes, that's Our right. Our favorite. Everybody's favorite. It's cottage country mm-hmm. weather. Mm-hmm. We all love cottage country weather. He's Brett. I'm Greg. And uh, joined in studio by uh, two new friends with us this afternoon. It's uh, Allison Gervais and Paige Zaprazan. Uh, Paige is a holistic health coach, and Allison is founder at Fit Communications and the Fitness Journal for Girls. Wanted to ask, and Paige, I'll start with you. Yeah. Dove has had this campaign now for 10 years. It's uh, the Be Beautiful campaign. Mm-hmm. Where as, and this is going to be a really pedestrian way to kind of mm-hmm. summarize it, but I think it's essentially to, to try to be accepting of your body and your image. I was on Instagram the other day, and uh, one of my, one of the people I follow is this is a young woman who hates it. She hates mm-hmm. the campaign and says, no, if you're not happy with the way you look, don't be happy with it. Work at it. Yeah. What do you think of that? Yeah, I, I mean, at the end of the day for me, um, it's what you're thinking about yourself. What you think is what you project out there. And um, I think if you, ha- you have to feel good inside yourself and you have to have good, positive, healthy, happy thoughts going on. And you ought to be happy with the changes that you're making, too, and the steps that you're taking towards that. So um, I don't know if that answers the questions quite right, but um, I believe it's, you know, all comes down to, you know, how you're perceiving yourself and the thoughts that are going on in your head. And you have to be happy with it and happy with change and being happy in your body, whether 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 that is for you, you know, and it's like Allison said, it's not about being skinny. Um, it's about being happy in terms of how you feel, um, not just necessarily how you look as well. Judgment is a word that comes up from time to time. Uh, for men and women, and Allison, I'll, I'll ask you about that, just that whole idea. It's difficult enough sometimes to, okay, not today's the day or, you know, this is the week. Sometimes it is that for people. They've had enough and they they want to change what they're doing. But one of the battles that they have, and if it's not difficult enough to talk yourself into it, is the fact that those around us, when we start making progress, don't necessarily enjoy the fruits of our labor. Uh, yeah. Are you talking about judgment like with uh, peers? Oh, you know? yes. Yeah. So 
I this is one that I know we've had a lot of conversations about this uh, with Fit Communications is about body shaming, um, whether someone is too muscular, too skinny, too fat, too whatever that you want to shame somebody on. It's to the same whatever thing. the blank is, right. right? So it's the same thing as I think shaming someone for if they are trying to get fit and improve their lives, right? I is and I think it's the same for men and for women. Um, I think we should empower each other and support each other. So if your guy friend is trying to make good choices and instead of having wings for lunch, he has a grilled uh, s- chicken sandwich or something rather than saying, oh, hey, you know, you're... That's a good guy voice, yeah, Alan. Yeah. Go with that. Oh, that's my husband's voice. Yeah. Um, you're going to have carrot sticks or you're a rabbit. <laughs> you know, instead of saying stuff like that or same with women, saying, oh, you're, are you not going to have some cheesecake? Well, let's try and support each mm-hmm. other uh, in any sort of positive changes that they're making. If you don't want to make changes in your own life, I mean... That person doesn't care what you're eating for lunch or what your exercise regime is or, you know, if you're doing yoga or whatever it is. So if that person is happy and you see that they're making, uh, you know, positive steps that they can be proud of, let's encourage them and support Mm -hmm. them and say, you know, that's awesome. You look great. You're feeling great. You know, good for you. You just went through that in terms of you know, smoking and quitting smoking, you must have some friends that still smoke. Do, do they try and get you back in the club? Uh, no, you know what? And actually, I'm glad you brought that because today I realized about it a half hour ago. Today's day 200. So, Good for you. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's awesome. Amazing. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Uh, but no, I think generally speaking, I've I've had the support where they would say they would offer you sure you don't want one? And I'd say, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. you know, sometimes that, when you're a smoker, when you're the last one smoke, mm-hmm. who still smokes, it's kind of a lonely place. I bet it is. But, they, but people have been supportive, I've, I've found. Maybe if I was younger, it would be a different story. And do you mm-hmm. think a lot of that, does a lot of that attitude come with age? You know, the younger you are, maybe the less likely you'd be supportive of someone? I don't think so. I think it happens, you know, no matter, I mean, and it's same thing with, you know, parents and grandparents. Oh, are you sure you don't want another piece of cake? Oh, you're getting so skinny. You know, I really Mm -hmm. don't think that it's a young thing or an old thing. Uh, It happens all the time. And I think cultural as much as anything. Um, I'm not sure. You know, I, I know from my own culture, it's, we're big food pushers. Um, and oh, you're getting too skinny, you're wasting away or whatever it is. Or, you know, that's certainly in most cultures. I think most cultures are yeah. like that. Right. Um, but just ignoring that and let's just be happy for someone making positive mm-hmm. changes. Right. We have only a few seconds left, so let's use the, that time to give the both of you plugs. Uh, the event is happening uh, once again June 4th at the Yoga Bar, 6640 Roblin. It's for girls ages 5 to 15. Ali, where can people get more information on the Girls Empowerment event? Uh, they can get uh, tickets actually on Eventbrite. If you search Girls Empowerment Event, it'll come up there. Um, and then also through Fit Communications and through Paige's uh, Instagram, we're posting about that as well. You can contact us through Instagram or Facebook and we can answer any questions that you have. About and do you it. have any uh, website or information you want to plug, Paige? Yeah, absolutely. So my website is www.pagezapresent.com and my Instagram handle is at pagezapresent. So I will be posting um, information and uh, feeds on there. There, as well as my website about the event on June 4th. Paige and Allie, thank you so much for joining us today. It was a real Thanks pleasure. Thanks for having us. Thank you. It was fun. Global News at 3 o'clock is up next. 308. Didn't mean to shout at you. I apologize for that. <laughs> it's 308 on a Wednesday afternoon. Greg and Brett with you through until 4 o'clock. Then it's Julie and Richard get you home safe and informed. And 
just want to remind you about this traffic situation, that if you have any intention of going anywhere near the southern part of Winnipeg, you'll want to know about. I'll read the headline, and you, you do such a great job at reading the body of the story, Brett McGarry. Northbound and southbound Pembina Highway between Jubilee Avenue and Stafford Street will be completely closed this weekend. That starts on Friday, May 19th, and that's in effect until May 23rd. I think that's probably really early in the morning on Tuesday, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's going to be 4 a.m. Tuesday. So northbound and southbound Pembina Highway between Jubilee Avenue and Stafford Street will be completely closed to vehicular traffic starting at 8 p.m. this Friday, May 19, until 4 a.m. Tuesday, May 23, for construction of the Southwest Rapid Transitway Stage 2 project and Pembina Highway widening. So construction will take place around the clock during this closure, which is kind of neat. Roadway access for transit and emergency vehicles will be maintained during the closure. Pedestrian access will be maintained by a shuttle service with two pickup and drop-off points located. So that's also kind of neat. One of them is north of the underpass on the east side of Pemina Highway opposite Harrow Street and then south of the underpass on the east side at the Jubilee Avenue yield onto Pemina Highway. Motorists should also allow additional time to get to their destinations and use alternate routes like Osborne Street, Waverly Street, or Keniston Boulevard. And of course, you can get more information at winnipeg.ca or you can download the Waze app for real-time traffic and incident updates. There seems to be a little bit of consternation about the cancellation of Last Man Standing, maybe the most popular TV show that you'd never watch. I don't know, although it sounds as though it's got a ton of fans who are upset that it's being cancelled after six seasons. I'll read this uh, from ET Canada. Cancellation is a natural part of the TV circle of life, unless... That show is Last Man Standing, that is, in which case the cancellation is proof of a vast liberal conspiracy aimed at kicking outspoken Hollywood conservative Tim Allen off network television. This seems to be a popular theory. That seems to be the underlying belief driving a petition calling for ABC to uncancel the sitcom, which won't be returning to the network lineup after a six-season run. The show aired on CMT Canada or CMT here in Canada. Was that country music television, loosely translated CMT? Yeah, but I think it also aired on ABC. ABC was the parent network, and I of guess course. CMT and probably ran, it, ran right. reruns. And of but course, yeah. you can get, of course, ABC, uh, um, I think, time-shifting and everything, a couple of different places. Uh, the petition, which calls for a boycott of the entire network, if Last Man Standing isn't returned to the network schedule, it's picking up some steam, has garnered more than 94,000 signatures at the time of writing this was uh 17th that was uh, earlier today yeah last man standing stands out in sea of network television sitcoms it has a show that appeals to a broad swath of americans who find very few shows that extol the virtues with which they can identify namely conservative values reads the petition it's kind of ironic because one of his daughters is uh is expecting a baby she lives at home and doesn't seem to to have a permanent partner. I don't know how that exhibits uh, traditional conservative values, but uh, uh, one of our co-workers is a huge fan of this show. She says it's hilarious. I've seen exactly six minutes of it. Yeah, it's not my brand. and 
on the couch potatoes. This is a show that <laughs> neither myself nor Jeff Braun have ever given any sort of endorsement. But I, if you like the show, I don't want to say you're wrong to like it because nope. I've never sat down and given it a shot. Tim, it, Tim Allen's not my favorite. And that's basically where it ends with that. I will say as far as there, the, the petition actually also reads, uh, Last Man Standing was not just selling conservative ideals, as some of the characters in the show are clearly of the liberal persuasion, yet the characters in the show all manage to get along and take care of one another, despite their politically opposed views. So th- I, I understand the, the theory about that it's because it's a conservative show that it's being targeted because Tim Allen recently made headlines when he was on Jimmy Kimmel Live mm-hmm. where he compared being a Republican in Hollywood to being alive in 1930s Germany when he said, quote, what I find in Hollywood, what I find odd in Hollywood is that they didn't like Trump because he was a bully. But if you had any inkling that you were for Trump, you got bullied for doing that. And that gets a bit hypocritical for me. Good point. And we've talked about that in general, about yep. the hypocrisy, about sometimes left-leaning folks like to preach tolerance, but if you so much as lean any, if you lean at all to the right, the, the intolerance can come out loud and clear. Well, what's interesting, uh, I pulled an article off of Vox magazine, and it says and lists five reasons ABC might have canceled the Tim Allen comedy Last Man Standing. Uh, only one involves Trump. Uh, it says here that... <laughs> The scenario has unfolded, yet such a scenario has unfolded, surprising most industry observers. Um, It airs Friday night and quietly pulls in more total viewers than any comedy on the network not named Modern Family. In fact, it's ABC's third most watched scripted show, period, after Modern Family and number one series Grey's Anatomy. Yeah, that, that is, I didn't know that. I didn't realize that its ratings were that good. But the caveat is that it it may have good ratings, yes, but in the coveted, and this is a demographic that television advertisers in the United States love, in the coveted demographic of 18 to 49, Mm -hmm. its ratings are not very good. And the reason why that is the coveted demographic is because people in that age group tend to be more fickle and more easy to persuade to maybe buy something. I don't know that I necessarily agree with that. And actually... That reminds me, did you ever watch the show Boston Legal? I sure did. Loved Boston Legal. Do you remember a show, I think this may have been in its final season, where John Larroquette's closing argument was about how it was basically essentially a protest against television because they canceled Boston Legal because it appealed to an older demographic. I loved it. Didn't ma- I was in my 20s at the time, but I still loved it. But uh, they were essentially saying, why are you not paying attention to people in their 50s and 60s? We have m- way more money. Yep. You should be appealing to us. But it's because I think the reason why advertisers like or they like uh, that demo is because they're easier to advertise to, perhaps. I don't know. But that's why that's one of the main reasons why they got rid of this show, not because of some conspiracy about its conservative views. Well, I'm one of the big reasons that it may have been canceled before we uh, stop for weather and traffic here. Uh, the main culprit could be the fact that Last Man Standing's uh, and its cancellation, either the show's age or its ownership, ABC isn't the studio behind Last Man Standing. Instead, it licenses the show from, ironically enough, 20th Century Fox, paying a per-episode fee to the studio. Consequently, ABC gets to keep 
the bulk of the money from advertising. As the show gets older, the studio typically demands a higher and higher licensing fee from the network, the better to recoup more of its production costs. So there is more to this story than just people don't like Tim Allen and his political views. This is a multi-layered uh, situation. And there is now a petition. You can look for it online. 94,000 strong asking for the show to be uncancelled. We're going to have a look at the traffic situation and the forecast situation starting in two minutes. I'm looking at our schedule here. I got nothing written down for this time slot. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. It says 3.15. Blank. Just want to, we got a text message regarding the discussion we were just having about the Tim Allen show, Last Man oh, okay. Standing, which was canceled by ABC after six seasons. And the listener says, I guess they would rather put on shows that have drugs and killing and sex in it. It is a great show. So I, I will tell you that the show that they're actually replacing it with is not is not going to fit that bill. They are ABC has said they're just going to move away from comedies on Friday night and they're going to move once upon a time from Sundays to Friday. That's a show about fairy tales and fairy tale characters. There is violence in it, but it's a show about fairy tale characters come to life. And then it's going to be Shark Tank after that, which is the American version of Dragon's Den. It's called Dragon's Den everywhere else in the world. I don't know why they had to call it Shark Tank. Because uh, the Americans have to put their own spin on it and make it look original. Because, you know, you wouldn't want to have uh, anybody realize that it was copied from Great Britain or from Canada. Or that two-fourths of the panel are actually Canadians, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. So that's what they're doing on Friday nights now. They're just moving away from comedies. But uh, once well, upon a time, moving from Sunday to Friday probably means they're getting ready to kill it. Well, and there may be another wild card in this whole shuffle of the scheduling over at ABC, and that's the fact that they are bringing back American Idol. Yeah. They beat Fox to the punch, right? And was it a matter of, I don't know what you're hearing about this in coach potato circles, but was it a matter that Fox didn't really want to bring this show back after canceling it and walking away from it barely a year and a bit ago? What what, what have you heard about this? That I've heard that, the, that Fox was reluctant to bring it back so quickly after letting it go because I think that they were always sad to to let go of that brand. I just, I don't think it's soon enough to bring back American Idol. The nostalgia factor has not Oh, there's no, there's in. zero nostalgia factor. I think this is going to be a huge flop for ABC. I really think they are rolling the dice. So I think that's probably also part of it too. But definitely Fox did not want to be seen as kind of wishy-washy and, and weak quite frankly, trying to bring back American Idol again. And The Voice is going to be employing, this is irony at its finest, not only really was American Idol crushed by The Voice on NBC, but now that ABC is bringing back American Idol, two judges that are former champions of American Idol are going to be voice judges, correct? One former champion, Kelly Clarkson, who was the first season champion, and Jennifer Hudson, who... Did she never won? No, she... Okay. I think she made it to top five, but okay. she didn't make it through, but she ended up winning an Oscar for her performance Hello? in Dreamgirls. She's gone on to great success in other things. So, yeah, NBC was able to swoop in and sign the two of them as judges before ABC could get a hold of them for American Idol. So... I don't know. I, I've had it with all these singing and talent shows, but they clearly still have an audience. And if you like them and they make you happy, that's all that matters. Coming up to 
Time to have a quick look at forecast and then sports. 3.38, uh, Greg and Brett with you. Brett, I know you're not uh, necessarily uh, following the ongoing saga of the National Hockey League playoffs. This is the, the Stanley Cup playoffs, yes? Yeah, you're doing very well. That's good. You're keeping up, yes? Keeping an eye, sort of? Yes, I'm uh, rooting very fervently for the San Francisco Spiders. Yeah, they're out. In fact, they were never in, but that's a good... Uh, you have one of those jerseys, don't you? I do, yeah. <laughs> Aren't they a roller hockey team? No, or, they were in the were AHL. They in the AHL? No, no, sorry. ECHL. IHL. IHL, yes, that sounds a little... The Moose, okay. Yeah, because the Moose were in that league, and then they ended up right. in the AHL. When they, were, when they moved from Minnesota, they were in the IHL for one or maybe three years at the most. I don't know. Uh, anyway, the last night, the uh, team formerly known as the Mighty Ducks of Han- Anaheim lost to the Predators of Nashville... And so now the Predators are leading that series two games to one. Interesting story, though. Uh, The longtime anthem singer of the Nashville Predators uh, has a sour (laughs) taste in his mouth. Sour grapes. He's being replaced in the Stanley Cup playoffs by superstar singers and bands such as uh, Carrie Underwood, Luke Bryan, Lady Antebellum, and Little Big Town. Dennis K. Morgan, who has been singing at Predators games for 17 years, told the Tennessean he has been hurt and disappointed by being upstaged by acts like uh, like uh, Carrie Underwood. Morgan said Underwood, who is married to team captain Mike Fisher, by the way, in case you didn't know that, asked to sing in the first home game of the playoffs, and he agreed to it. But the team kept bringing in special musical guests to sing. I'm not going to hide my disappointment, and I told the Predators that I have been asked the same question over and over, and it's just really getting old, Morgan said. Everywhere I go, obviously, at my day job, he's a healthcare IT recruiting manager, and at Bridgestone Arena, as well as everywhere else I go, to church, grocery stores on the street, in meetings, and in restaurants, people want to know how I feel. The team said in a statement that Morgan, Morgan's arrangement allowed for, quote, national and international renowned music, musical artists to perform when available. So that's kind of like a little bit of a kick in the teeth. The guy's been sort of on your team. They give these people jerseys, right, to come out when they sing the national anthem. Stacey Natras, uh, kind of a part of the Winnipeg Jets, the entire production at Jets games, although they do bring in from time to time other groups. Uh, Danny Gray's The Watchmen in particular has done the uh, National Anthem a few times uh, when he's been in town. Uh, The Ukrainian uh, singers, that fantastic uh, chorus has done the National Anthem in the past, uh, amongst others. Uh, But yeah, like, wouldn't you think this guy's sort of part of the team? It's kind of unceremonious that they're doing this to him. Yeah, I can understand the first game, and and look, I mean, has Nashville ever been this far into oh, the no. Stanley Cup playoffs? No, no, this is this is this is the first time for them. So naturally, I would think that an event. This is an event of serious magnitude for Nashville for the Predators Club. So they're going to find talent to match an event of this magnitude. And Carrie Underwood. It's kind of hard to think of a. There are a few names that are, I think, are in music that are more recognizable than Carrie Underwood. Great point. So, whereas I think everybody's probably heard of Carrie Underwood, I've never heard of Dennis K. Morgan until you handed me this sheet of paper. Now, on the flip side, yeah, if he's been doing it for 17 years 
And to, well, now that we've made it this far, we're just going to... Yeah, we're going to shove you aside. We're going to push you over here you until we... You stand go, in the corner there. Yeah. We're going to have the superstars sing. Yeah, that's right. So uh, it's it's one of those double-edged swords, right? Because I totally understand where Nashville is coming from. And not only that, but having these major talents suddenly make it maybe a, more of a draw for television purposes, right? Perhaps. Might, oh, Carrie Underwood's going to be singing? Yeah. Luke Bryan's going to be there? Hey, yeah. I might actually tune in for that. But so yeah, it's one of those. Ah, I feel bad for him, but I also I get where the club's coming from. I totally. can I can I can see it too. But like I said, I think this guy's been a part of this hockey team for seventeen years now. Oh, and by the way, they didn't even have an American do it last night. Please rise and join four-time Grammy Award winner Keith Urban. He's Australian. As we with the singing of the national anthem. But also means Nicole Kidman was there last night. Which, as you say, adds to the spectacle, adds to the whole idea that this is very special, first-time, unprecedented run for the Predators. So I'm trying to see both sides. I just feel really bad for this guy because the anthem singers, like, they set the table, right? They are part of the production. It's part of the whole thing that they do and then for him to be sort of cast aside like this i get why they're doing it i'm not sure that i like it very much no and and also if you're a a predators fan who goes to the games and then you go to this game i'm wondering what does it mean for your psyche as a fan when the person that you always see kind of leading the charge before the game has been pushed aside does that does it somehow take it like oh this doesn't feel right Dennis didn't sing the anthem. They I got someone else to come if in. If they it. were replacing Dennis Morgan with Gregory B. Mackling, <laughs> there might be a negative connotation, but you can't help but get excited when they go, please welcome Keith Urban. It's like, oh my God, Keith Urban, it's time to Like you can imagine that it, it hypes people up. I just, like I said, I feel bad for this guy because he's been a, a part of this team for 17 years, and I think it's a little bit of a cheesy way to treat him. I guess he's probably hoping that they have that the Predators, if they make it to the final, will play Ottawa. Then there'll be two national anthems to sing. Maybe he'll get to sing at least one of them. Oh, yeah, that's true. Good point. Maybe they could have him do the anthem and have these other folks perform, just perform something, something between... During an intermission or something? I don't know. Yeah. Is that not something they do in the ice hockey? Not really, no. But uh, I like the fact that you're thinking creatively. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they did it during the Heritage Classic. That's true. But they had a lot more space to deal with, right? They had that extra room on the foot, what is normally the football field to set up a stage. They don't like to set up things too much on the ice because anything on the ice for a long period of time starts to melt the ice and it, it degradates the well, quality of the ice. Why itself. not have them sing on top of the Zamboni while they're cleaning the ice? <laughs> now you're thinking, McGarry. <laughs> Actually, in Phoenix, and I think normally in Nashville, they do have a stage set up in the arena, in the seating bowl, that they have live music in between uh, in between the play as opposed to recorded music. Yep. Sometimes they will have uh, live live music, and I think it's at Bridgestone Arena, and I think they've done it in Glendale at Arizona Coyotes hockey games in the past as well. It is 346 on 680 CJOB. 
We're going to hear from Richard Cloutier and Julie Buckingham to find out what's coming up on the news after we check traffic and weather up next. Here's a headline for you. Guardians of the Galaxy uh, Volume 2 Date Night Texting Inspires Lawsuit. (laughs) The adventures of Star-Lord and Baby Groot are apparently serious business to one Texas resident, according to a report by the statesman Brandon Vesmar, a 37-year-old based out of Austin, is suing an unidentified 35-year-old woman for $17.31 following an online date gone awry. The amount sought equals the exact amount of money spent on his date's 3D ticket, price of admission to Marvel's latest blockbuster, a showing which the woman allegedly spent most of her time on her cell phone. Put the phone down. There's a reason for that, maybe. Maybe he needs to think about that. I'm thinking that uh, perhaps I've Brandon, been on a few dates. Yeah, I'm guessing on Brandon, my time that I wished a cell phone existed. Yeah, yeah, Brandon, you're, you're probably not quite the catch you thought you, you thought or think you are. But it's such a good movie. She shouldn't be playing with her phone during a movie. If you, you want to play with get, your phone, leave. You won't get an argument <laughs> out of me on that one. Great I can't movie. wait to see it. It looks so cute. Yeah, it's fun. Richard I just Cucci. want me a little baby Groot. Yeah. Oh, really? Yes, cute it's, is the first word that came to mind when I went and saw Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Oh, it was so cute. It was right he's there. just cute. How's the soundtrack? Excellent. See. Yeah. Very successful. Yeah. Yep. Very good. Speaking of music, we have tickets to see Tim McGraw and Faith Hill, the Soul to Soul Tour. I've just finished putting a post on our 680 CJOB Facebook page asking you to upload a very quick video telling uh, Richard and I who your soulmate is, and we could send you tickets uh, or give you tickets to the show. So your soulmate could be your partner or your BFF, could be your concert pal, could be your kid, whoever. Could People be you your go to co- movies with. Could yeah. be your co-host. Yeah, don't not no. likely. Don't hold your breath on yeah. that not likely. Maybe, <laughs> not Tim likely. And, maybe Tim and Faith will sing the national anthem at the Predators game tomorrow night. Maybe. Could happen. Thanks for ruining my four o'clock kicker, but whatever. <laughs> so <laughs> we're in the newsroom. I, I did put the that story, story in okay, the board. Story behind the story. We're in the newsroom working away at the news four to seven, and uh, we hear the conversation. And Julie throws up her arms and says, well, so much for my four o'clock kicker. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, a kicker is the story at the end of the news that you try to leave the newscast with a bit of a smile, right? You try sure. to leave, you know, exactly. be on an encouraging note. Yeah. And of course, the last story now in the four o'clock news is not as It's still going to be the same. No, it's <laughs> not encouraging. Honest. It's not as encouraging. Well, think I of it, saw it. Think of it this way. There's still... 13 minutes between now True. and when that story could air. That's a lot of right. people don't turn on the radio That's until right. 4 o'clock. That's a lot right. A lot of things change. And plus then there's like another five. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Remember Leave Robin Milne? Remember Robin Milne? Absolutely. He was uh, the, uh, the man from south uh, eastern Manitoba that ended up having to go to the United States and the government of Manitoba initially would not uh, cover his health care costs. We have an update on that story after the 4.30 news with our Global News colleague, Brittany Greenslate, and Robin Milne will also join us at that point. See, Julie, you see how you do it? You tell us what the story is and then what time that the guest might be on, and then we can make sure that we're there for 4.35 with Brittany Greenslate I and doubt it'll Robin be 4.35. Milne. It'll likely be more... Th- 43652. Oh, sure. I'll make sure. You just want to make sure that you're there. That's right. See how it works? It's beautiful. It's appointment listening. 
Katie Scott will also join us. We're not cheating on Brett on Brett McGarry, but we do have. Uh, She's an online writer for globalnews.ca. She'll be by with some entertainment news. I'm Tuesday, Friday, so you can do whatever you want on <laughs> Monday, Wednesday, okay. and Thursday. That's how that works. <laughs> I was getting puffed up here. Oh, and I appreciate you that. You know, my soulmate, after all, <laughs> I have to make sure that he's taken care of and not disrespected around here. Well, thanks, you two. You're welcome. Richard Cloutier and Julie Buckingham. Upload those videos now. Okay. Coming up from 4 until 7 on 680 CJOB. And that's all the time we have. I'm Brett McGarry. He's Greg Mackling. Jeff Fortier and Master Control. Thank you very much, sir. And thank you to listening to Mackling and McGarry on 680 CJOB.